Hello and welcome to the Tenable Research Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Raywood, and this month we're talking to Claire Tilts from the Security Response Team here at Tenable about a recent book that she put together looking at the Lapsus Group. Um, they're an extortion group. We'll learn a bit more about what that is and how it's different from ransomware. And it follows our recent ransomware ecosystem white paper that you would have heard about in our last podcast with her colleague Satnam Narang. So let's go off and learn about Lapsus Group with Claire Tills. And joining us now to discuss the Lapsus Group is uh, Tenable's senior research engineer, Claire Tills. Um, Claire, um, we've introduced the uh, the concept of, of the blog, and hopefully by the time people listen to this, they, they may have read it. They miss, may cause them to go and read uh, the, the blog that you put together a, a week or two ago. Um, first thing then, um, this, this followed um, the recent ransomware report that we put out, uh, the white paper and the blog and the, the webinar, all of which we'll add links to. Um, but rather than being a, a ransomware group, this is an extortion group. Um, how does this make Lapsus stand out? When we were working on the ransomware paper, um, as Sitnam was leading that charge, you've heard Sitnam on the prior episode talking about this report, um, he he was he was leading the charge on that report and i was constantly thinking about lapsus because they really made huge news in the beginning of the year but they're not a ransomware group so they didn't really have a place in that report that we were working on and i wanted to make sure honestly i had a chance to dig into them because they were so interesting and one of the things that i tease out in the blog post is the difference between ransomware and extortion and what makes lapsus in particular stand out as a unique unit but also what makes an extortion group stand out from a ransomware group and what's really key and a bit nitpicky so you'll often see groups that do solely extortion like karakurt ransom house or lunamoth those are also extortion only groups they'll frequently be lumped into ransomware, but the key is that they don't um, deploy data encrypting malware, which is ransomware. Like that's the key function, but it does lead to very interesting tactics and also organizational targets that differ slightly from ransomware operations. Um, another reason that I kind of wanted to post or to poke into Lapsus was we speak so much and we hear so much about these, you know slick business style operations of ransomware groups. They've got HR, they've got business managers, they've got recruitment schemes, they've got profit sharing, very, you know, well-documented. They have their own marketing and, you know, websites and all of this infrastructure in place as a criminal organization. And then you have something like lapses come along. And so I was thinking, I was like, okay, so if Conti is the slick organized crime um, group, you know, in not particularly, but maybe like I'm picturing them like in their well-fitted, you know, custom tailored suits, like you see in movies like The Godfather or shows like Boardwalk Empire, like those empires, those ecosystems that support this type of operation, what's that for lapsus like how how do we compare an organization like lapsus who 
does not evoke the same imagery. Most of the, the research you'll read about them refers to them with terms like I use for the blog title of brazen, unsophisticated, and illogical. They're typically, even before arrests occurred at the end of March of actual teenagers, people were assuming that they were teenagers. So I was thinking of like, okay, if Conti and the other ransomware groups are these flashy, sophisticated cyber criminals, what's lapsus? And so I found a couple of examples you can you can read about in the blog post, but um, seeing those differences, but then also seeing the success of Lapsus and seeing the attention that group was able to garner despite their like Benny Hill style soundtrack compared to Conti, I found was really interesting because as an organization in the cybersecurity space, we're always really cautious to not disregard threats just because they might be a little goofy. Um, you know, you it's you'd want to be just as cautious of a threat actor, even if they seem goofy, if they're being successful. Like you don't want to discount someone um, that's breaching organizations like Microsoft and Okta. Yeah, we'll, we'll get on to some of the uh, attacks of successful, if we determine to be successful or not, uh, a bit later on. But yeah, it, it's an interesting concept you know, uh, that you use that that term in the headline, brazen, unsophisticated, because it's it, it's like like you say, you know, we, we think of gangsters, we think of yeah, the the, the pop, pop culture references like you know, Godfather and Broadwalk Empire, and then you know maybe Sopranos, maybe a bit less sophisticated, but certainly impactful. Um, in terms of the, the companies that they were targeting then, I mean, a lot, a lot of the context in the blog, which which people can can read, but in terms of the uh, of how they worked and things like that, but in terms of the companies that they actually focused, um, they seem to be focused quite a lot on technology companies. Um, why, why do you think this was done? Why, why pick those particular targets? I think a lot of that was tied to the organ or the groups. They were kind of a loose collective is, is what folks landed on. Like it wasn't a a, you know, firm group with solid leadership or anything. It was, you know, amorphous collective of people making chaos, but their stated goals, you almost universally was we want money and we want clout. You know, we want people to pay attention to us. We want um, folks to write stories about us and tech companies. I think they found over time were the best targets to achieve those goals. Um, I think I'm I'm curious because I don't think the money goal was best achieved by going after technology companies because particularly going after organizations like Okta and Microsoft they're not going to pay ransom to a bunch of teens. However, it definitely got them attention. So I think I think they saw, you know, they had a couple of um, more local tech companies um, and telecom companies in Latin America and Portugal. Um, and I think they saw the coverage and the clout they were able to get by breaching those companies and decided to double down by going after bigger fish in the technology space to really um, hit the scene in a big way. And I guess the another point actually about going after technology companies is that if you choose to hit them with extortion attacks or even ransomware, yeah, one of the two, these companies have got very smart people working for them could probably right. find a way out of this. It's um, yeah, I hadn't really considered that, you know, actually that fact. So, you know, if you do hit a smaller organization or a not 
a company with probably some level of sophistication in cybersecurity, they're probably not going to have the, the capability, not going to have the likes of you and um, you know some of the other old colleagues who actually could probably find a way out of this. Right. But it's 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 an interesting one, an interesting concept. I think just sticking then about about the attacks they they made. I mean, you mentioned Opta. I think uh, in, in video, I think I'm saying that correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, um, do we know if they were completely, oh, sorry, uh, sort of solely involved in those attacks, or was it? part of like a a wide uh, network of of other attackers? It's hard to tell, but from everything we've seen, these were solely by operators associated with Lapsus. And I say that very carefully because as you'll see, as you've seen hopefully in the ransomware ecosystem report, that ecosystem is very loose. Folks move from group to group. They move from initial access brokers to proper ransomware organizations, or maybe they jump over to um, an affiliate. Uh, We've actually seen a lot of Conti affiliates since that group has sort of gone dark. Um, in the recent months, a lot of their affiliates have moved to solely extortion operations. Um, but we haven't seen any evidence of lapsus partnering with other criminal organizations like ransomware groups or initial access brokers. We've seen calls for them to recruit insiders, basically saying, hey, if you work at a company and you want to give us access, we'll give you a cut of the payment. There's been no evidence that that's actually been successful for the lapsus group. It's been successful for others. Um, I know there was a, a conviction in a case for the NetWalker ransomware group recently, but lapsus, there's no evidence that um, it has happened. Uh, they seem to mostly work on the abilities of the members of the group. Right, right. I see. Okay. Well, it's, like, like you said, people move around and... Um you know attackers well the ecosystem report did suggest that there is a lot of sophisticated people out there with very sophisticated methods of working but um speaking of sophistication i'm just going to lift this straight from um from your blog here that the common themes that you identified about the way they work which was lower maturity tactics and behaviors uh priority for clout and notoriety and uh primary focus on monetary goals um this sort of it wasn't state-sponsored there was no kind of like uh, ulterior motive of uh, bringing down like a defense provider or a government department or anything like that. This, this to me, what my kind of conclusion I drew was that this is was always intended to be a short-lived campaign to gain money and infamy. It, w- would you uh, agree with that? I definitely agree that it was about money and infamy, given that it was teens, I do wonder if they went in knowing it was going to be short-lived or had the I'm going to live forever sort of teen mentality of invincibility because I was a teen and I get it. So they may have thought that it was going to be longer lived, but I absolutely agree that it was about money and infamy. Um, I have a quote from some of their Telegram chats where they say, the only goal is money. Our reasons are not political. We are not state-sponsored. So they came out and explicitly stated that. Now, groups have said that in the past. However, Lapsus's actions really, you know, support that claim, whereas some groups will say, oh, we're not political. We don't affiliate with any state agencies or groups, and then they'll target organizations that make it a little questionable of whether or not that's true. Lapsus, I think we can take them at their word in that sense. Yeah. And 
Well, yeah, I mean, the companies they hit, um, when included, and you, you list many of these in the blog, I mean, like Okta and Video, I think Microsoft was another one. And it's mm-hmm. it's not um, governments, they say it's not like defense uh, providers. It's not that kind of thing. I mean, I'm, I'm throwing my mind back all the way back to about 2010 and like Anonymous, where there was deliberate targets that they were going after and LulzSec as well. Um, but here it's a bit like, let's, let's see what's vulnerable, I suppose, and let's yeah. see what we can get. And uh, there didn't seem to be that kind of a strategy. Um, you, you mentioned Telegram there. This was reportedly used by the group uh, to communicate. So was that particularly unusual uh, for you rather than something a bit more bit more sophisticated should we say <laughs> it's not unusual for threat groups to use telegram that is pretty standard however what is unusual is to only use telegram um, particularly with the proper ransomware groups that we've seen those organizations typically run a leak website so that somewhere where there's a full portal for targeted entities to interact with basically customer support um, negotiate ransom payments potentially make ransom payments there's also you know jazzy dashboards that say, hey, we breached this organization, we grabbed this much data, here's a description of that company and a link to their website. Um, You see that with a lot of groups. There's examples in both the ransomware paper and the Lapsus blog post. You can see of some of these pages where it's like, yeah, this is someone has has experience with web design (laughs) who's participating in this. Lapsus solely operated through Telegram. Um, And that made it really difficult to track a lot of their stuff. Um, There isn't a lot of history. If the Telegram group shuts down, it kind of disappears. Um, And it's much more ephemeral than you have with some of these leak websites. Uh, So it it made them more difficult to track. It also kind of characterized a little bit of the chaos of like they would use polls in the Telegram chat to say like, hey, whose data do you want us to leak next? And like crowdsourced a lot of their decision making. So it's just kind of very illustrative of the group's whole brand, really. Right, right. It's, yeah, it, it's, I mean, I, like you say, it, it's pretty secure, Telegram. It's, it, I guess it's one of the secure messaging apps, which, uh, yeah, another story about about the security of those. But it's, it, there's other platforms exist. It's just, just an unusual one that that's where, and maybe, do you think, just an aside, is that one of the reasons why maybe this didn't last so long is because they didn't have those kind of infrastructures in place to actually have more secure and ongoing discussions. Yeah, I I think it was a whole mess of things all tied to that, you know, lack of sophistication we've talked about. You know, they didn't have as much experience and therefore weren't tra- covering their tracks as efficiently. Um, and there also weren't like backups basically of there was a message posted shortly after the arrests were made at the end of March saying, Hey, some of our members are going on vacation, which is a fun euphemism. Um, and the group has largely been silent. There was one breach disclosed at Globant after the arrests were made, but since then there hasn't been much news. I've seen a couple little rumors that members might be back, but there's been no confirmed activity since March. Um, or maybe, yeah, like late March from the group. And it shows that 
that was not a robust group. You know, if one member of most other ransomware groups gets pinched, or even if their infrastructure gets set, uh, shut down, they're able to spin back up easily because they've got that sophisticated infrastructure in place with backups and plans. And like, they've got emergency response plans as threat actors. Lapsus obviously did not have any of those components. So it, it kind of stands to reason that their covering of their tracks was not as efficient and then they got caught. So uh, yeah, they came, they they went, <laughs> they came, they saw, they went. Um, do you think the, uh, so there has been um, arrests and we'll put a link to some of the, uh, the BBC news about some arrests, but do you think that someone could maybe step in and kind of into their shoes and replace them, um, uh, you know, pick up the mantle of lapses and start, you know, or pick up from where they left off? Or do, do you think that, that kind of that story has come to an end now? I think... Like I said, there's been some rumors that Lapsus members or the group itself or like something may be stirring. I think more, I think it's more likely that the name Lapsus, I I will be, I may be proven wrong by this, but this is my, my estimation is I think the name Lapsus is too radioactive at this point. Like they, the, the flash in the pan that they made was too bright and others have learned from that and are now going with more subtlety. They want to have a long-term strategy in compared to what they saw from lapses. So rather than doing the big flashy attacks that probably didn't earn them any money, they're going for smaller attacks that don't get them as much clout, but may actually get them money. Um, and so I mentioned earlier some of the other groups, Karakurt, Ransom House, and Lunamoth, those have all, all seen reports over the last you know weeks and months of their activity. The U.S. federal government has put out alerts specifically about Karakurt and their activities. Ransom House has had a couple of successful um, attacks as well. So I think it's more that like the legacy of Lapsus is living on in the lessons other extortion groups learned from lapses. Like the other extortion groups learn like, hey, maybe if we're more subtle, we won't get arrested in six months. Yeah, that, that's a great point. Yeah, because the uh, the spotlight is on them from, from law enforcement, from industry, from <laughs> from you. And, you know, it, it, it's this, uh, this mantle they've been given now, brazen and unsophisticated. Why would anyone want to take that up and sort of say, hey, we're the, we're the new brazen unsophisticated 2.0. So uh, it's probably not something to uh, aspire to. Um, just one last point then, I mean, about the, these kind of groups. Um, even even though they, they weren't as as sophisticated as, as others, um, it, they apparently focused on purchasing purchasing excuse me stolen or breached credentials, bypassing multi factor authentication VPNs, and also relying on legacy vulnerabilities uh, that have been left unpatched. So maybe nothing here that's particularly kind of groundbreaking in a uh, style of attack. There's not think many zero days used or anything like that. So do you think the lesson here is to focus on? securing access and uh, you know, stronger passwords and focusing on legacy vulnerabilities than, you know, like you say, zero day prevention, because it's most of the attacks are pretty standard. Yeah, I think this is a really good case study for unsophisticated, brazen, illogical attackers can still be successful. And that's, I think, the biggest lesson for organizations to take away from this. Like, yes, it is fun 
to read about slightly goofy teens going on a very brief crime spree. But the lesson to take away here is they were still effective, particularly in disruption. You know, the organizations that were breached didn't necessarily have to pay major ransoms. And because no ransomware was deployed on their systems, they were still able to maintain operations. But particularly for Okta, they had a huge reputational issue that came about from this. And a lot of their operations were disrupted, not by the actual malware that um, ransomware orgs usually deploy, but by the media storm created. So organizations can take away from this that like best practices like um, strengthening MFA and trying to potentially move to passwordless authentication um, or primarily also uh, patching known exploitive vulnerabilities as we always talk about, like things that you know are being used by attackers. Um, doing all of those, you know, things can put up a barrier against these brazen and unsophisticated attackers so that you don't get caught up in their media storm. Because even if they're not encrypting your systems, they're still disrupting your operations. Yeah. And like you said, with Okta, I um, uh, will put a link into the bleeping computer story where it said only the attack only lasted 25 minutes and two customers were affected. Yeah. However, for a, a matter of hours days maybe uh, octa's name was you know was was affected and most people probably now have forgotten about this but you know this will come around again and it will come around in future uh, recognition of, of, of companies hit by hackers and you know, there's no shortage of those but octa are a pretty major name in cyber security so yeah it does it does pay to actually have that kind of level of sophistication which by the sound of it most of these companies had there wasn't any huge hit but um at the same time yeah this this group did have some success albeit mm -hmm. very short-lived so uh yeah. the legend of lapsus will go on um <laughs> Petil, thank you very much for your time today good to talk to you yeah thanks for having me on a big thanks again to Claire Tills for her time and thoughts this month. Um, links to the blog uh, is in the show notes, as well as some of the other links to uh, other blogs and news articles that we mentioned. Uh, please do be sure to visit tenable.com slash research for more information on our output. Uh, also visit tenable.com slash podcast for more information on our other podcasts, including that one that we recorded with Satnam about the ransomware ecosystem report, in case you have not chance had a chance to listen to it. Um, you can connect with me on Twitter and other social media. I'm at Dan Ray and uh, if you want to find me that's where you can find me best otherwise thanks very much for listening and we'll see you next time <laughs>